The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Henry Cavill and Burly Muscles of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guys who the guy whose burly muscles wear out all of his outfits, Josh. How are you doing this evening? Well, I'll tell you, my clothes don't fit as as well as they used to anymore. But it's not because of muscle. <laughs> I'll say I'll say that at least. <laughs> uh, so, Henry Cavill, that that dude, he is a specimen, right? Yeah, I mean, he he's a very um, what's the word I'm looking for? He's in shape. <laughs> he is in shape, and he is. I am not. <laughs> yeah, he he is in shape. When they talk about people being in shape. Uh, Henry Cavill definitely fits the bill. Here's what I will say, though. Did you see – I'm assuming you did because you're into all of this stuff. Did you see um, Kumail's yeah. picture that he posted? Okay. Yeah. I w- would like to say I appreciate the fact that he pointed out that it has taken him a year and that he wouldn't have been able to do it without Marvel slash Disney paying for the best nutritionist, yeah. the best personal trainer, the best like all of these other things. Because the whole like, oh, if X person can do it, anyone can – I mean, I guess is technically true if they were in the exact same situation as that person who has a personal trainer paid for it for them and a nutritionist paid for it for them and all those other things. In you the know t- what I mean? In the time. It's not right. just all, all that. It's also the time to do it. And right. most people are just struggling to get by. They don't have time to spend, you know, 25 hours in the gym for a week's in a week. Right. Like that's just not something we have. Correct. Uh, so, but yeah, I'm on the tail end of the flu, so things have been great here. <laughs> yes. Um, Has everyone else in the house been sick too, or just you? Just me. So I'm sure next week I will have passed it on to my wife and child. <laughs> so uh, giving of you. I don't know how your weather is, but I'll tell you this: three days ago, mm-hmm. it was zero with the wind chill. Nice. And today it was 66 degrees. And yesterday it was 64. So. And what's tomorrow? Uh, the low tonight is 27 and tomorrow the okay. high is 40. So, okay, uh, okay. And it's only going down from there. So, uh, I'm very surprised that other, like the rest of Massachusetts isn't sick as well because yeah. the body isn't built to handle the varying temperatures that we're dealing with right now. We had something similar here. Uh, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Wednesday, it was really chilly here. It was very cold. Um, it was probably in the eh, low twenties, upper teens, and then Thursday it was in the low fifties. Yeah, <laughs> and then Friday it snowed. So I mean, we really <laughs> have had been on a roller coaster. Uh, and the interesting thing is, on you know, for, it snowed overnight Friday to Saturday, and I went and helped a friend who had a painting party for their new house on Saturday. They live about forty five, fifty minutes away from me. Um, where I live had a dusting of snow. There was no shoveling or snow removal needed, nothing. Drove to their place, 
they had five inches of snow oh, or something like that. Like, and it wasn't that far of a drive, right? We're talking, you know, 50 minutes and huge difference in the amount of snow that they had compared to me here. So, you know, that's it's amazing. Uh... <laughs> how those things happen sometimes uh and i do we probably should get to the show but i do want to ask talk about one other random thing mm. real real quickly okay so i know i've given you a hard time many many times <laughs> about the pay about the patriots uh-huh. right i want to just very briefly talk about my alumni my alumni <laughs> my school that i graduated from north dakota state uh-huh. josh just won their eighth national title in football in nine years that's impressive their quarterback is a freshman. He threw no interceptions the entire season. Well, you know what that means. What's that? They must be filming their opponents. <laughs> or the balls are <laughs> deflated. <laughs> they, that, either of those, I guess, are possibilities. They might be working on a documentary. I'm not aware. 16-0 uh, this season. Wow. Uh, they're on a 37-game winning streak. And in the last nine years, they have won eight national championships. And lost a total of eight games. Wow. They do sound like the Patriots. I know, right? <laughs> so the reason I share that is just I wanted to let you know, I, I there is definitely a contingent of people. And granted, they're playing FCS, so they're one step below you know, the big Division One. But there is a contingent of people who greatly dislike my team because they are that good. Hey, <laughs> so, yeah. I get it. So I, I do give you a hard time, but I also understand I, I share in your in your situation a little bit. Um, I'm very happy that they won again, but it, it's interesting because it's even like coaches for other teams in the league who are like, yeah, it's not good for the league. Like they shouldn't be in our league anymore. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I don't understand. You can give me a hard time all you want. That doesn't bother me. In fact, it's the opposite. I don't mind talking to other people that aren't mm-hmm. Patriots fans about the Patriots. The most annoying thing is living in this state, listening to the people here complaining about the <laughs> Patriots because we're not allowed to lose a game without sports radio talking for a week straight about how terrible we are. Yeah, it's, I'm sure. So, but I don't like to listen to that. So, you know, working somewhere where all the guys listen to sports radio and just mm-hmm. talk about it incessantly. Like it is also hard to be a Patriots fan in new England. It's not just <laughs> talking to people outside, depending on your interest in sports. I feel like that kind of is like Alabama fans as well. Like when Alabama loses a football game, a lot, of, not a lot. Some of the fans, at least immediately the sky is falling. The world is over because they lost one it's, game. It's not the, I, I grew up, I, I watched the Patriots and the Red Sox for 20 years before they were winning anything. Like right. people just expect too much. I don't know. Yeah. I'm happy All when right. we win and it stinks when we lose. Hey, you know what? Isn't that true of just about everything? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to go ahead and jump into the show. So thanks so much, so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out the awesome stuff Josh posts over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone else who you think would enjoy it as well. 
We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. Josh, it is a news week, the first news week of the new year. So what has been happening in the tabletop world, sir? Oh, well, I mean, we'll start with the bad news. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's surprising or not, but let's see. So Fantasy Flight Interactive, uh, as well as, I believe, Fantasy Flight Role Playing. Um, yes. And customer support, which is troubling. Uh, <laughs> those three factions of Fantasy Flight are closing. Um, unfortunately, uh, they've let go quite a few people, um, as well as the, you know, the whole of Fantasy Flight Interactive, um, which really only got together the Lord of the Rings Adventure card game, which I think was right. not met um, very critically well um right i I have i did play it on xbox it was on game pass Mm -hmm. um i do think that there were were some issues with it just from my experience um they also tried to change it from what the card game is itself which was interesting um and that might be a problem i will say it's still 10 times better than pandemic digitally so um it's interesting (laughs) that they're deciding to uh, close everything down, but we also don't know what else they were working on and the state of those projects. Maybe it just wasn't, you know, meeting their quality um, standards. Right. But unfortunately, yeah, um, they're closing down, which means, well, it means if we're going to see any more Fantasy Flight interactive games, it's probably going to be done by Asthma Day. <laughs> right. Indeed. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, it's sad. I saw our friend, friend of the show, um, Colin, uh, posted um, on this day that it was a sad day. Um, so I'm assuming Plat Hat knows some people, uh, and in fact was probably inf- affected as well um, by this. So you know, it's not good to see people lose their jobs as always. Right. Agreed. Yeah, it is interesting because you know the game was developed by. Uh, Fantasy Flight Interactive, but published by Asmodee Digital. Yeah. So, which is kind of an odd thing if you think about it, that, you know, Asmodee has this publishing branch. They have Asmodee Digital that does a lot of games and a lot of things. Um, and that rather than Fantasy Flight Interactive publishing this game on their own, it went through the parent company to do, which I guess kind of makes sense to a degree. But it just seems like an odd situation, really. And they also, you know, like you said, got one game published in their, you know, two-ish years that they were open. But that's not unheard of at all when it comes to video game development. And they pulled the the rug out from them pretty quickly after this game released because it came out in like August, September last year, didn't it? Yeah, it didn't it didn't come out too long ago, actually. Uh, maybe even November. So, yeah, they really have pulled the, the rug out on this really, really quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's just an interesting thing. And it sounds like, now, I don't know, I didn't read a ton into it, but it sounds like for the RPG department that the department is kind of closing, but that they're still going to be making RPGs just through contract work? Yeah, that is weird. Um, but they must have some obligations to fulfill. Maybe that's why they're not closing it, and then they'll maybe close it after that's done. Right. And it sounds like they already hired, they had hired contractors in the past for the RPG books anyway. So I wonder if maybe now instead of having in-house, they're just going, 
full contract with the final like formatting and things like that being done in-house uh, at the end. I, at least that's kind of what I thought it sounded like when I read that they will still be producing RPGs potentially um, or RPG books, but it won't necessarily be an in-house uh, studio anymore. Yeah. And, you know, and the customer service thing, I mean, I guess Asmodee could just do it, right? Yeah, I mean, they could for sure, yeah. but they might, I mean, I don't really know. Maybe this whole board game to digital thing isn't picking up the way that the industry right. wanted and maybe they're just going to start going away from it. Yeah, that's very, very possible. And I think it's an important thing to note that, you know, Fantasy Flight Interactive was a very specific company doing that. Like I said, at this point, just the, or Josh had said, just the one game. So they're board games that are app supported. In theory, this does not impact at all because those are done separately from this. So you hear Fantasy Flight Interactive, you think of their board game apps. This is a different thing than that. So. And I, now I feel kind of bad because I did talk about how I thought like a studio, like a board game was going to shut down yeah. uh, in my predictions of the year. And this isn't exactly what I meant, but I guess it kind of fits. So, though I did say that Asmodee would probably buy a game, a video game type company. So, maybe this is the for, the forerunner to that, that they're, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Either way, sad news all around, um, and hopefully everyone who is impacted is able to, you know, find themselves on their feet in a positive way in a, a relatively short amount of time. Um, anything else about Fantasy Flight Interactive shutting down you want to chat about? Uh, no, um, but I'm going to add a quick story that wasn't in our notes. That Sounds great. That revolves around digital. Um, Nomad Games, the company who has done uh, digital adaptations of Talisman. Um, fighting fantasy and i'm i think um uh summoner wars i think is the other one uh they uh announced that they're making a digital version of fury of dracula which i think is very exciting um that is exciting a one versus all uh and hopefully this is put out like so this supports multiplayer because that'll be awesome to play with like you and our listeners um Mm -hmm. because that's a really fun game so, it is. Uh, there's no more info, really. There's no date. So uh, we'll just keep our eye on that one to see uh, what's going on. Um, and we should also mention, uh, since we are part of the Dice Tower Network, uh, that the Dice Tower Kickstarter is still live. Uh, it has met its goal, but uh, you should check it out because you can get some pretty sweet promos. Um, and you can support the Dice Tower, which is how they pay their employees. Right, which uh, is not us. Which is not us. We do not get paid by the Dice Tower, but <laughs> we uh, we still support them because they support us. That is correct. Okay, the next big news comes from Simon, or come on. Uh, they announced a brand new game called Marvel United, um, which is coming to Kickstarter. Uh, we don't know when. <laughs> uh, we don't know anything about this game. Uh, there was some rumors that it looks like it's based on our Arcadia Quest, but um, I watched the latest Dice Tower uh, board game breakfast, and they said it's not going. It's going to be its own ga- own game, so mm-hmm. it's not going to be like a reimplementation of Arcadia Quest, which is good. Um, it has like the ch- chibi animation, uh, which a lot of people are fond of, and um, yeah, if you look at the cover of the game, it has. Uh, Ultron, Red Skull, Taskmaster, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Black Widow, and Iron Man. Did I say Iron Man? Mm-hmm. And the Hulk uh, on the cover. 
They have literally said nothing about it. Uh, it's going to be coming to Kickstarter at some point this year, and it is uh, being developed by Spin Master Games, who are famous for Arcadia Quest. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, not much else is known. It's just, for me, it's exciting, but I know I don't think it's a game I'm going to get because it's just not, it's going to be a miniatures game. And those just don't fit in with my playstyle. unfortunately. I would love to play it, but it's not a game that if I bought, I don't think it would get to the table anytime soon. Right. What about you? Is this something you're interested in? I mean, I'm always interested in games like this, and I usually watch them closely, but rarely do I, I invest in them and, and pick them up and get them. Um, I am very interested, though, in when we are going to hear more about this because Simon or Kaman has been talking a lot about, you know, upcoming games and here are our Kickstarters that are coming soon and, and they have a lot of cool things going on. Um, they also recently announced, you know, Kaman uh, Expo 2020 is going to be in early May. Yep. You know, so that's so I'm kind of wondering, are we going to hear more about this before then? Is this a Kickstarter that's going to launch before that? Do you think we'll get a big news drop at the Kaman Expo? Kind of what do you think from a timeline perspective? we could see from this game i think it makes sense for them to like unveil it at their expo so maybe mm-hmm. they they drop the date that it's launching like tomorrow like they do with the first day and then like tomorrow the kickstarter goes live mm-hmm. uh, that would make more sense so they can show give people like a sneak preview of what the game actually looks like before it goes live on kickstarter uh, that makes the most sense to me but who knows i mean i don't think we have anything big uh, video game or board game before then. Uh, n- when is there's a, there's a PAX at the beginning of the year? Isn't oh, there? PAX South is happening. Yeah, so maybe yeah. at PAX South we see it. But yeah, so. that that would be the only thing that makes sense, other than their own expo is maybe PAX South. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm interested. Obviously, anytime there's a Marvel game, uh, especially a Marvel game with minis, uh, I want to see what it's going to be. But yeah, I'll definitely have to know how the game plays before I decide whether or not I'm going to jump in on it. Because yeah, oof, I, I have a feeling it's not going to be inexpensive. Yeah, for sure, it's not. It's not going to be. <laughs> All right. Uh, perhaps even bigger news and a huge get for AEG is. Uh, AEG has announced their next one of their next games, uh, and it's called Mariposas. It's a butterfly game, <laughs> and it is designed by Elizabeth Elizabeth Hargrave. Uh, so that's going to be huge for them, uh, I, I think. She's basically the hottest board game designer out there, and the only game she's done besides Wingspan was Tussie Mussy, which was a quick little you know pocket wallet game. So this is their big game. Not only uh, did they announce it's coming out in quarter three of 2020, but they also announced it will be in AEG's big uh, AEG's box at Gen Con, which is huge. So people yeah. who go to big game night at Gen Con, is, are, they're going to get this game, which is really cool. Uh, it's two to five players. Uh, it's designed to play in 45 to 75 minutes. Um it looks really cool. It's uh, played in three seasons. And basically, um, your butterflies are heading north um, in spring. They spread out in the summer and return south in the fall. Uh, and you're going to score at the end of each season. And you win by having them, uh, the most successful family of butterflies. Who the heck knows how that 
is going to work, if it's going to be a brand new mechanism, if it's going to be borrowing off of um, existing uh, board game mechanics, I don't know, but uh, the board looks really interesting and unique, and I'm sure the art's going to be fantastic. What do you think? Uh, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, like number one, we talk about it all the time. I love the fact that board games can do themes like this, and it just totally is fine. Like, it just totally works. It's not, an, you know, there's not a lot of butterfly games, but it's not something that is like, wow, that's completely ridiculous. Like, sure, let's play a butterfly game. Why not? Uh, but really, realistically, after Wingspan, this being the first big release, there you could, you know, talk about Tussie Mussy, whether... Yes, it came out since then. I think it originally was a 2018 game that kind of has been worked on since then. But that's neither here nor there. You know, first big follow-up to Wingspan. And I enjoy Wingspan so much. Like, I'm just in. Like, I'm (laughs) willing to give this a let's go. Let's play it. Let's see how it is. Um, So as soon as I can get my hands on this game, I'm going to try to get my hands on this game. Though I don't think I'll be going to Gen Con to get my hands on this game. (laughs) That makes sense. How about you, though? Is this a insta-buy for oh, yeah. you, or is this a wait-and-see? No. In, well, I mean, it's an instant-buy. Um, it just depends on when it releases, because I might not have to buy it. Because if it's part of Big Game Night, I might just get it when I go to Big Game Night for PAX Unplugged. <laughs> That's true. That's so, true. I mean, technically, well, okay. I'm buying it, because I but pay there, for the ticket. Right. But is there Big Game Night identical at those events? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, it depends on how they decide to do it. The, uh, this past year, um, they did announce at the beginning of the year uh, what their big game night was and what the games that were coming with it. Um, gotcha. So they did it identically. But the year before, it was a mystery. They just kind of did whatever they wanted. But what's interesting about last year was they said, like, Big game night in April, they said, like, every big game night we have this year at every convention, it's going to have Kirio, Welcome to Bur- Walking in Burano, and Point Salad. Mm-hmm. But they sold out of Point Salad at PAX Unplugged. So they substituted Point Salad for Alt- uh, Alter-, Alter, I can't even pronounce it, Atelier. Um, but they didn't tell anyone when they were buying tickets that that's what they did. Oh. So everyone was expecting Point Salad, and then they were like, oh, no you're getting this other game instead. So that could technically still happen with okay. Mary Poses. Um, so maybe I'll just buy it just to make sure I have it. And if I get a copy of Big Game, then it's a giftable item. Um, so who knows? But maybe we could give one away if we get it. But um, if they announce it as a Big Game Night, they might just do it a Gen Con one. It's very possible. In the past, mm-hmm. they've done like the black box and the red box. Uh, things that they did at uh, Gen Con, so they could do that as well. So who knows? Right. We shall see. Uh, okay. In the random story of the month, there's another expansion for Dominion. <laughs> the game. Oh, Dominion. The game that doesn't stop stopping. <laughs> uh, it's called Menagerie. It's due out in March, and it is animal based. I guess. Um, I'm not too sure about what it entails. It's going to have 400 cards, uh, 30 new kingdom cards. There are horses. Uh, <laughs> there's exile mat that cards can be sent to and rescued from. Um, there's new actions. And uh, yeah, uh, what do you think about more Dominion? 
you know, I really like Dominion. I just don't play it all that often anymore. <laughs> and part of me wants to get back into playing it, but... Where do you begin? I don't know. I, I just don't know. I There's so many expansion. There's so many... Like, I'm trying to think of how many cards total now are probably in Dominion. Can you even, like, <laughs> guess, like, what that number would be? I couldn't... I couldn't even imagine what it would be. There's got to be thousands. Yeah. There's so many expansions. Right. And this has 400 alone. Right. Which obviously that's, you know, X number of copies of, you know, probably 40 cards, 10 copies of 40 cards would be my guess. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah. So, but still, like, there's so, this is what, 13 expansions deep now or whatever it is. And, you know, Dominion is one of those games, it's a game that keeps on giving. I stopped buying expansions a long time ago for it. I have a Dominion collection. I think I have four expansions for it in addition to the base game. I, man, part of me has that itch to just own them all, but I don't play the game often enough to justify it. It's more that I just think it'd be cool to say that I have them all. Yeah. But then I really don't even know how cool that is. So. Next year, that's my goal. Collect all the Dominion expansions. Is, is <laughs> 2021. That, cha- <laughs> oh, 2021. Resol- New Year's resolution. All expansions for Dominion. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I am glad, though, that this game just keeps going because there are obviously still a passionate fan base for it. There's still a lot of people who play this game. Um, and by, you know, if he has new ideas he wants to throw in there, go to town. Have fun. I'm sure it'll probably sell just fine. You know, I, I think it'll probably do okay. Um, so... Yeah, I won't probably get it day one, uh, but I look at Dominion expansions every single time I go to the game store. So yeah, well, because you can't avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, partially true, I suppose. Uh, okay, and last story. Well, it's an interesting one. The expansion to Targi is coming out finally in the U.S. It's been out in Germany, I think, for a couple of years now. Uh, which yeah. is even more interesting <laughs> that it took them this long. But uh, yeah, it's literally called Targi, the expansion. And it's adding uh, new elements uh, to the game. I've never played the game. Actually, it's a four-year. It's been in Germany for four years. <laughs> so. Yeah, because Targi came out in 2012 <laughs> and Targi, the expansion, came out in 2016. So I remember you telling me it's a good game because I was yeah. asking for a good two-player games. I believe even Kevin Austin may have already played this. When right. he was playing games at work, but um, maybe it's time for me to check out regular Targi and see if I would be interested in the expansion. Is this exciting to you? Are you going? Is this a day one purchase, or are you are you all Targied out? Uh, I don't know that I actually still have Targi in my collection, and not because it's a, a bad game. I just there were other two player games that became more regularly played, so I think I actually gave it to someone. I'd have to go back and look, which is sad that I can't remember. <laughs> um, but you know, it's not a, a the base game isn't expensive. You know, it's a very affordable game. So if this came out, I would be interested in potentially giving it a shot, just because you know when the game was first published, when the expansion was first published, everyone thought that oh, it would be coming to the U.S. and it just kind of never did. So excited that it is now. If you know this, if this uh, article slash uh whatever the catalog there we go that's sort of like for if the catalog is correct yeah um yeah that that's kind of cool i think that after four years it's finally coming here yeah it's good i mean uh, there's there's still a game that i'm waiting for it to come overseas um called crown of amara which i can't find so it's nice to see companies finally like expanding their release like it still bugs me that not that I even want to buy it necessarily, but like Darth Vader Rising 
which is mm-hmm. part of the um like there's also death eater rising and it started from um thanos rising uh like the that's the darth vader one is europe exclusive so it's really weird to me that we're seeing this in board gaming like exclusives to countries um it's not like i don't view it like video games where it's so where the market like is so specific like where they don't maybe they don't think they can make money in the u.s it doesn't seem it seems odd to me so i'm glad to see that this is crossing over um and hopefully it leads the way for more games to come over right yeah absolutely awesome uh anything else uh from a board game perspective you'd like to talk about um i think that's all the board game news uh my i don't know if i mentioned this but the kickstarter by the the um the vindication like spiritual sequel oh yeah yeah my my buddy reached out to me and three other two other friends randomly Mm-hmm. Without knowing that I knew about it and said he wanted us to go in four ways on it. So we ended up doing like a full backing of that game, which like you literally like create planets when you play the game. So it sounds pretty interesting. So that sounds cool. Yeah. So I'm excited. That was when's my the, Kickstarter news. <laughs> when, when's the expected fulfillment for that? I don't know. Honestly, I didn't even look into it. I know it just ended. So, um, we're still waiting on like shipping and all that kind of stuff, but um, I'm assuming next year if I had to guess. Gotcha. I'm pretty excited. I got my shipping notification for Root. Oh, nice. Yeah, I it still is the whole you know. Oh, we cr- printed your label. Yeah, yeah. But there's you know it's ready for pickup whenever, so it's obviously being fulfilled at this point. But yeah, so hopefully in a couple of weeks here I'll have Root in hands. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I know that uh, leaders said that they're um, the designer of Root. His next game is coming to Kickstarter. I think this week when you're listening to this show. Oh, we also have uh, Return to Dark Tower this week coming to oh, Kickstarter. Oh, yeah, both of those. Yeah. yeah, I think both of them. I think they actually might be launching on the same day, like the 14th or something. That's crazy. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think they're both coming this week either way. Anyway. Yeah. All right. On to some video game news. Uh, Josh, mm. Matt Booty over Booty. at Yield Xbox. <laughs> Uh, has said, yep, yeah, for surezies, there are not going to be any Xbox Series X exclusive games, at least for the first year or two. So if you are all stoked about playing that next Halo that is supposed to launch alongside the console, uh, you won't actually need the console to play it. Thoughts? Feelings? How do you feel about uh, no Series X exclusives? It's the smartest thing Xbox has done in five years. <laughs> okay. Um, Tell me more. They're not limiting their player base, which is incredibly smart. And Xbox One S will be inexpensive, which means more people mm-hmm. will be playing Xbox games. More people will be playing Halo. And there's no way it it won't play better on Series X, which means it's going to give people with an S more incentive to upgrade. Uh, I think it's great news. Um we saw kind of that happen with, I, I just, there's still like a little doubt in my mind. I don't want to see what we saw with Destiny uh, when mm-hmm. it launched, where it was almost unplayable on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Right. Um, but I think the technology we have now is good enough that that it means that they're developing these games to work on both of their consoles, which if you look at how games... At look at the beginning and the end of a console's lifespan, 
Mm-hmm. The graphic compare the graphics are night and day for mo- for the yeah. most part. Yeah, which means you're not really losing out by investing in a Series X early, but you also aren't being rushed into buying one. Right. I mean, I think both Xbox and PlayStation did have very early games this console generation that looked amazing. Yeah, Horizon's that a great still, example. That still hold up. Well, even if you go back to, like, yes, maybe the game wasn't the best. Actually, maybe neither of them were the best. But if you still go back and look at Rise. Yeah, Rise is and, incredible looking. And The Order 1886. Yeah. Both of those games, even today, still look incredible. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think we've hit that point in technology where that's just what games are going to look like. Similar to like when you look at CGI and film, right? We're at the point where the movies that are coming out now they're not really going to age badly because it's not so obviously green screened or um, like bad CGI. Where if you right. look back at maybe like Iron Man one, it might be mm-hmm. a little iffy. Is there any concern from your when you hear this news? It, it, I agree on the on the face; it sounds very good, right? Yeah. You know, at the end of this year, or at the end of the previous year, end of 2019, we had a couple of high-profile games that came out that really seemed to struggle on even the up more advanced versions of the yeah. current-gen consoles, right? Yeah. Control and Star Wars both really kind of seemed to – like, they could have used a little extra power. Do you think, though, that we're going to run into that situation where the Xbox Series X version of a game is going to run buttery smooth – but because of that commitment to make sure the Xbox One S version still exists, they're just not going to run well, right? Because we're kind of already running into that. I mean, it's possible for sure. Um, but, like, it's weird because, I, like, I don't know how to, like, uh, how to judge that because I didn't have any issues with either of the games that you mentioned. And I know <laughs> th- 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 uh, that there's been plenty of people who couldn't, like, even Sean Capri was on, like, Twitter being like, I'm sorry, guys, you can't give Control Game of the Year. It was unplayable. And I'm like, dude, I played it just fine. Uh, And so it's interesting that we're having that problem. So for sure, I I see that still happening, Mm -hmm. Um, especially like with our next news article. um, It definitely will probably be um, a player in that problem where we might see that still. Um. But the fact that the games are still an option to people is still is important to me. Um, I right. hope that I hope that they're developing the games for current gen so that they can be enhanced by next gen. I don't want it to be them developing a game for next gen that is like dumbed down for current gen. That's not what I, I want to see. Yeah, I mean, and who knows exactly? Just from Somebody asked that question ostensibly on Twitter yeah. and asked developers, like, what do you do in these situations? And they all almost said, when I was reading the responses, and I apologize, I don't remember who it was who sent out the tweet. Um, but for the most part, developers like, well, no, you you design for the top and scale down. Yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, you know, because otherwise, how do you know, like, how hard you can push? Yeah, I get that. I guess consumer-wise, when I think about that, I'm thinking about publishing a game so it's playable for everyone, not right. Like you have plenty of time to test the hardware's capabilities, especially if mm-hmm. you're a publisher who's doing sequels to games and right. series of games. Like you have plenty of time to maximize your game. Why risk 
alienating your audience when you can just let something grow it like grow into what it's supposed to be like why make um a Fortnite 2 or an Overwatch 2 that runs top of the line now that people can barely play with your widest customer base like PlayStation 4 if they were doing the same thing it's like there's how many millions of people on a PS4 you design Overwatch 2 for a PS5 that maybe a tenth of your market has right what are you doing to the the rest of your your audience if I can't play Overwatch 2. It doesn't. It's it's so janky, and I feel like everyone on a PS5 is playing better than me. Like you can't. Right. Like I just as a consumer, I don't understand that mentality. But I mean, sure, as someone who's trying to make money, I suppose that's where your mind is at. So uh, real quick, um, and this article is from Games Radar. If you want to go check it out, um, it says, "Quote: Booty said it's important that Halo will be quote." They're at the launch of the console, taking advantage of all the features, unquote. So even if you play through Halo Infinite on Xbox One first, you'll still have something to look forward to if you play it on an Xbox Series Ugh. X later. What are those features he's referring to? That's is he so just talking weird. about is he just talking about 8K 100 bazillion frames per second? Like what is what what are those features you think? I don't know. I don't like that 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 he said that, and I don't like the possibility of a Halo game where people are playing on different locked FPS game modes, and how are they going to handle multiplayer? Uh, right. So I'm really worried, and that's another problem that we'll we'll run into if there if Halo Infinite can be played on the S, the X, and the Series X, they're going to have to lock the frames. Yeah, which is bad. Well, I mean, wh- what if you could extent. say though? Yeah, I mean, you could just say, "Who cares?" Like that doesn't happen on PC, right? Like, if I have a yeah. junky PC with, like, I have to have all my specs turned way down to get 60 FPS on an old monitor, and I'm playing against, you know, a streamer who has everything on low just so they can get 250 FPS on their 120 <laughs> yeah. hertz monitor. Like, we're in the same lobby together, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be, this will be a really interesting launch uh, this year for, for new consoles because. They're trying to launch everything on even footing, and they're not. They're on a yeah. different mountain. <laughs> well, and you know, and it's not a story that we're going to talk about it because you know, it, there's just so many different things we could, and a lot of pe- other people already have. But like, obviously, the specs leaked, you know, for or the supposed specs, supposedly, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, have leaked for the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. And um, Jason Schreier has said that uh, PS5 will launch with PlayStation Five exclusive games. Um, so, yeah. you know, the two companies are definitely taking different roads. The one thing I will say for me personally, this news, though, means as someone who doesn't play my Xbox as, as much, there's no way I'm buying a Series X at launch. Well, it's it's funny that you say that because um, I, fo- I thought something very similar. I don't need to buy a Series X at right. launch, which means I can buy a PS5 at launch. Yep. Because I'll still be – I still have my Project Scorpio, which should handle those games great, especially compared yeah. to an S. Right. Um, so yeah, I hope that Horizon's <laughs> sequel launches a PS5 because <laughs> this means I'll be able to buy that PS5 first. Yeah, so it looks like I will be playing Halo, the next Halo on my <laughs> Xbox One X. But no, I do think overall, I think it is a good decision for them. I understand why they're doing it. Um, just for me, it, it makes my next console purchase decision very, very easy. But that's good so. for them. They're still going to get game sales, I think. Oh yeah. Well, sure. they might not win the console race. I mean... I don't know that they thought they could, to be honest with I, you. Like, they can't compete with PlayStation console-wise. 
I don't even know if they care so much anymore. And like, I think if they do like come out next, you know, gen guns blazing and they take the lead in numbers, like I think they will say something, Yeah. but I genuinely don't think their business model is built around that anymore. And they care that much about that anymore. No, I think they Game have Pass shifted speaks to that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're playing a different game now. So, all right. Uh, moving on next story. A also from games radar, a new leak suggests that Assassin's Creed Ragnarok is cross-gen co-op and contains the biggest open world yet. More news, as you know, dear listener, you probably know, I'm a huge fan of the Assassin's Creed games and have been really f- happy with them taking this every other year off situation. Uh, it looks like, you know, a lot of folks were thinking maybe this fall we would get a new Assassin's Creed game based off of, you know, UB's uh, earnings calls that they were doing, talking about the number of AAA games they had coming out in this fiscal year, um, based off the previous leaked information about Ragnarok. Well, you know, now it's just being found on store listing. So <laughs> I, I think the game is pretty well confirmed. This is what it's going to be. Um, so, yeah, what it's looking like is you're going to be playing, a, again, a Viking protagonist named Jora. Uh, and you lead a small band of Vikings that allows for drop-in, drop-out online co-op with up to four players. And that the game's map is essentially all of Northern Europe, including uh, cities such as York, Paris, and London. Uh, and the game will also include dynamic, large-scale wars that take place in real time across the world. Uh, and the game is set to be released on PC, Xbox One, Xbox Series S, PS4, and PS5. Um, And they also say that the stealth has been dramatically overhauled for this game. So it sounds like we'll be doing something a little bit different. So that's kind of the broad overview. No real other details leaked. But Josh, hearing those things, what what does it do to your heart? Does it set it a pitter-patter? Or does it set her a pit of actor? <laughs> do you remember how awesome Unity was going to be with co-op uh, assassins? <laughs> I do. Do you? I do. Okay. And let me ask you another question since we're talking about this. Uh, when you think Ragnarok, the first thing you think of is Paris, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so great. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a lot about that news that doesn't sound right to me. Um, <laughs> okay. The cross-gen thing, I think we're going to see a bunch of games that are cross-gen from like yeah, cyber, Cyberpunk to like the new Assassin's Creed to who who knows what. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it sounds ambitious, right? Like that's the first thing I think of when I hear it. Um, I don't like the sound of four-player drop-in, drop-out. It sounds like Anthem all over again. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I like my Assassin's Creed games solo for the most part i mean it would be cool if i I. could play assassin's creed with you but there's so many games that we just don't get to play together period so what's the appeal of a drop-in drop-out multiplayer game in an assassin's creed makes me shudder because i don't want you messing up my game i don't want people jumping in and killing people when i'm trying to be stealthy or vice versa right um so a lot of that worries worries me i'm sure you can still play the game and turn off, drop in multiplayer. Yeah. I'm sure, um, but on the whole, I'm excited for the theme. Right. Um, I hope the leaks are mostly wrong, uh, <laughs> but I'm excited to see more about the game. And I mean, whatever they make, they've taken enough time to develop it. Like you said, 
I'm a big fan of the taking a year off. Right. Because we saw what Assassin's Creed games look like when they're forced to push them out every year. And they're a little rough around the edges. Right. So, yeah, it's supposedly going to release in September is what they're saying. Um, And apparently, and this is kind of all where things are going hand in hand now there's becoming a lot more rumors about a playstation meeting in february yeah um and that supposedly this game is going to be revealed at that playstation meeting and apparently according to other leaks and and rumors and innuendo if you would uh there's a number of significant developers who are going to be revealing their game at their next game at that playstation meeting uh but we'll see obviously who knows you know that could all be for not but as an assassin's creed fan i am excited about this i really like um odyssey and uh what was the one before that uh origins thank you i like origins like odyssey the the only thing i'm I'm kind of hemming and hawing about is i like the ocean combat and the naval parts i know some people don't but that's one of the reasons i like black flag so much the one thing that has really happened as of late well especially the last two entries there was something to me about you know like assassin's creed 2 when you were in like really big cities yeah. That were like just the whole, like that was just the thing. These really well done, large cities that you could navigate in really fun and interesting ways. And, and maybe the cities, you know, from this will be big. There, there shouldn't you be know? any cities, right? <laughs> well, large towns. <laughs> yeah, you know? like it'll be um, like huts. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, so that is the one thing I would really love for them to go back to just doing a more modern um assassin's creed not obviously necessarily today but just something where you had really large significant cities you know that you were going through that had these huge buildings and, and all this stuff so that's kind of i do miss that a little bit in assassin's creed but overall I, I do like the direction of gameplay and everything else they've been taking lately um and this is definitely a game i'll play um so hopefully like you said the multiplayer works a little better than they did. <laughs> i mean they tried i'll give them that they- they did try. That is very, very true. Uh, hey, Josh, do you like playing handheld games? You know, I'm trying to be better at that, but generally, no. <laughs> okay. Well, Alienware really hopes that you want to play your PC games handheld. Yeah. Um, as they recently released at CES, I believe, yeah. um, they revealed their concept UFO, uh, which... I mean, we're just going to beat – let's not beat around the bush. It is a device that is a Switch for PC games, right? It looks very similar to Switch, yeah. And it runs on Windows 10. Yep. And it allows you to play your PC games on the go. It's pretty big. It's pretty beefy. Uh, but, you know, it looks like a kind of a cool way that if you wanted to, that you could potentially uh, – Play some PC games while you're sitting on your couch watching some television and have your, you know, nice little, instead of having a laptop in front of you, uh, you can have this little handheld in front of you. Uh, any interest in this at all? If, have you seen any hands-on? Because it's pretty big. Uh, <laughs> I know. It, it is not a small device. That is very um, true. But I mean, it's like actual computer in your hands, which yeah. is awesome tech. Like, I'm very excited about the tech. I'm not excited to see the price of this thing. Uh, it's going to be expensive. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So I do like that you can uh, uh, switch uh, the controller faces, right. which is nice um, for the people who like their analog sticks in different locations, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I know people are making the comparison to Switch. It's not – I mean, they're just doing what works for their, their um, device, and it makes more sense for it to be – similar to the switch design um right so i mean more power to them they're not 
like blatantly ripping off the switch. We're not getting joy cons with this thing. Right. Um, but it's cool. Uh, it's more gimmicky at this, at the time, I think, mm-hmm. uh, uh, than anything like practically like to like, and I mean being practical. So, um, I'm excited to see more from it and what the price point is. Cause if we're talking like the price of a series X or a PS five, like <laughs> I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, who knows if this will ever come to fruition. You know, CES and all these shows, really, they show a lot of things that they're working on, a lot of concepts. Uh, So who knows if this will ever come out. Um, But it has an 8-inch 1200p display, which is pretty sizable. Yeah. uh, And pretty, and some good numbers are pushing there. But it also weighs three times as much as the Switch does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that is pretty beefy. And obviously, they weren't talking at all about what was powering it or anything like that. So... Uh, I'll be interested to see if they continue down this road. As someone who is a huge uh, PSP and Vita fan, um, you know, I always kind of a bit of a soft spot for handhelds. Uh, the Switch hasn't grabbed me quite as much as I was hoping it would, but that's partially just because of my gaming style and the games I like to play. That's not a knock against the handheld itself. Uh, so I'm interested to see where this goes and what they might do with it. But as not being a huge PC gamer, I, I don't know that I'd ever get this, but I think it's cool that they're looking at it and yeah. exploring it. So, uh, there is a rumor out there of a new version of the Nintendo Switch, uh, but we're not talking about that because those rumors are super shaky. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> just know they exist that supposedly this summer we might be hearing <clears throat> about a brand new Switch Great. as well. It would be called the new Nintendo Switch. <laughs> yeah, and this time you can connect four controllers to it rather than not being able to remove them at all. But you can only play new Nintendo Switch games on the new <laughs> Nintendo Switch. And it has a nubbin to for, for <laughs> in space of the D-pad. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, next story, Josh. You know, Fortnite at Epic Games. They're probably getting super nervous right now <clears throat> because Fortnite's revenue dropped in 2019. Uh, they only made 1.8 billion dollars. Josh, shame. That's it. <laughs> 1.8 <clears throat> billion dollars is how much Fortnite raked in over 2019. I will say though. It is down from 2018. In 2018, they did make $2.4 billion. So that's, that's a big a loss. <laughs> I mean, that is a big difference. It's still a lot of money. It's like, it's one of the, at one of those points where it's like, I lost so much money, but I made so much money. Does it matter that I lost that much money? You know, one of those. That, I've never been in that situation. <laughs> yeah, in yeah. But um, so what is this downtrend? Do you think this just means that Fortnite is kind of stabilizing and finding exactly where its footing is? What do you think this means? Actually, I think um, worse. Uh, I don't remember if we were talking about it in Discord or who I heard it from, or if I read an article, who knows? I've been in a haze. But um, there's some something that said that uh, Fortnite is losing more players than it's gaining now. Like people are a- aging out of Fortnite. It uh, is. It is losing players, now. and in the opposite's happening with Apex. Correct. So yeah, that's a problem for Fortnite. They need to to fix that, and that's their whole business model is to get new gamers. Like it's not yeah. the only way they're going to keep growing is by getting new gamers, not keeping their gamers. Because as gamers, we know you're always moving on to the next biggest best thing. Um, so I don't know why that's changing for them. Um, I don't know if it's because they've been doing crazy, weird updates to the game, or if it's a, if it's that they're not doing it enough. I'm not really sure. Uh, like, cause the the first iteration of Fortnite, we'll call it Fortnite One, I guess. 
Mm-hmm. They were constantly changing that game. Almost, it seemed like on a weekly basis, but yeah, on a monthly basis, things were different. And I think that if you listen to like Kevin talk um, and other people, like some of the things that they're adding to Fortnite now are like breaking the game. Like it's making the game less fun because they're making these overpowered things happen. So, right, that sounds like people are enjoying it less. Maybe. Less is more in this situation now, where Apex isn't changing its core game. Right. Um, and their events are very limited. Mm-hmm. Like this new Fortnite, or this new Apex event that's coming out that looks insane. The arcade thing with seven new modes, it only lasts for like a short amount of time. So there's a lot of stuff going on to compete with Fortnite. So maybe they just need to take a step back and look what other people are doing. I have no clue, but I mean, $1.9 billion ain't nothing to sneeze at. Like, right. <laughs> if we're talking in a few months, they're down like one point to 1.5 billion. Yeah. Maybe uh sound the red alert siren. So the interesting thing about all this to me is that, you know, you kind of alluded to it, right? That Fortnite is, has now started losing players. It's at, concurrence are not up and up and up like they used to be. The other thing that's really interesting about Fortnite is it, it isn't like we hear about it. It's not like it's the most popular game, right? Like League is still more popular than Fortnite is. Um, but Apex has slowly and steadily been gaining players. And it, it has really become kind of the that little engine that could. It, you know, it came out and was very successful immediately when it came out. But since then, it's just kind of, you know, very slowly, if you want, like, want to do a, tor- a tortoise versus the hare situation, yeah. it is just consistently increasing the, its player base. Uh, and Fortnite, obviously, was a meteoric success. And it, and it has been for a couple of years, so it's not like it's gone away, you know, and it's still drawing good mo- monies. But I feel like every year we kind of talk about, you know, is this the end of Fortnite? Or it seems like every few months we kind of get the, oh, is this the end of Fortnite situation? But you know, it, it's not a game, you know, Escape from Tarkarov or whatever that game is. Yeah. It is like the hotness on Twitch right now. And even <laughs> despite their social even media. Even though it's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They definitely, yeah. Whew, they, hey, they let's play this some... game that is very pl- problematic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but it's interesting to see kind of everything that's going on there. And yeah, I'll be interested to see how they respond. It sounds a lot like they are having the same problem actually that Overwatch does, and I don't always mean to bring every shooter thing back to Overwatch, but um, power creep has become a huge problem in Overwatch, where the number of characters who have been buffed, like the total number of buffs that have happened are over 300, it's like 330 buffs have happened, but only like 190 nerfs have happened. So like, (laughs) obviously the overall power of everything is just greater than it used to be. Yeah. Um, You know, and, and this happens in Magic too, Magic the Gathering, the card game, like power creep is a problem, which is why they have rotate out because otherwise you have to keep making things a little more powerful and a little more powerful unless you can get rid of some stuff uh so i think that you know it might be time for fortnite to hit a reset and kind of go back to what made it super successful or maybe players don't want that i don't know seems like it might be a good idea um i don't know i I think overwatch (laughs) should do the same i think it might be time for them to hit hit the reset a little bit but um yeah so there you go Fortnite, it's struggling, only making one point eight billion. Do you think oh. with the next with the new gen the next gen consoles, I know we we're already seeing with Overwatch, do you think we see like legitimate like, hey, we're gonna do Apex Legends two, hey, we're gonna do Fortnite two, and it will only run on these next gen consoles to take advantage of the next gen and and then they can keep like 
their base games running on the past gen. Do you ever think no. we'll see that? No. No. I, I, and the reason I say that is because most of those games are biggest player base is PC anyway. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. You know, and you look at a game like League of Legends, like we don't have League of Legends 2. Like we got Dota 2, you know, but yeah. we didn't like we don't have League of Legends 2. Dota 2, yes, we have, but we don't have a Dota 3 at this point. And I don't know that Dota 2 will we'll get a Dota 3. Sure. Um, you know, so I think there are ways that they can still develop it and change the game. Could it happen? Sure, it could. Um, but if you read all the stuff about Overwatch 2, there was a lot of debate about whether they should even call it that. Right. Because it's really like it, a expansion to the game almost. Yeah. It's like a, it's basically like Overwatch single player missions. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's kind of more what it is than a, a whole new game. So uh, because most of the other stuff in it is stuff that they have done as free updates. Yeah. You know, yep. new game modes and all that good stuff. So. All right. Uh, final story we're going to talk about. And I'll be honest, I'm kind of over this, but. <laughs> So Warner Brothers Montreal has doing some more teases yeah. about their next game. Um, uh, I linked a story, which I don't think actually is a super in-depth good story, but it is a story nonetheless that I put in our show notes. Uh, Josh, I'm not smart about Batman stuff. What, yeah. What, what does this mean? What's this new Batman game? When are they going to announce it? When are we playing Batman again? Well, listen, I'll agree with you. I'm kind of sick of the teases um, <laughs> because they're not much of anything. Uh, right. You know, we have our Court of Owlities, uh, which is which is smart of them. Hopefully, that's what they're going for. They're not just putting out red herrings. Um, because the worst thing they can do is make you think you're getting a specific story and then you get something worse than what you wanted. <laughs> so, hopefully, right. that's what they're sticking to. Uh, yeah, I mean, they just put out this image of a coin that showed Gotham City. Um Hinting to a Gordon-esque storyline, whether it's Commissioner or Barbara, uh, we don't really know. Uh, I would really if they don't show, maybe they'll show this game off of the PlayStation thing. Yeah. Um, but if they don't show this sooner than later, people will still be excited when they see it. But I don't, I don't, I don't know that like what they're teasing isn't exciting. It's just two images. Could they do any more teases? You think like if they, they the could. next time they come out? <laughs> well, but I'm just saying from a from an interest standpoint, from the people who want to know more about this game, yeah. if they do, if the next time they talk about it, do they have to show the game now or at least say what the game is? Because if they come back with another tease like this, is everyone just going to be super frustrated? No, I mean, if they're going to be, if their next tease is more specific, it can maybe give people um, a definitive like story arc, like where they can mm -hmm. look for. And that wouldn't be bad. So, um, I mean, for me, I'm more direct. The next thing should be more direct. Like, hey, even if it's like a sentence on Twitter, hey, our next Batman game is going to be centered on Court of Owls, get your reading done or whatever. Like if they just want to tell you what it's going to be focused on, that would be fine. They don't have to keep teasing things. Um, my biggest worry is that it might not be a game that releases this year. So why are you doing this? Oh, you really think it's that far out? It, I mean, it might it might be this year, but we don't know. We have no clue as to when this game's going to come out. So why why tease like this without at least a little bit more information? You know what other game I want to know where is it or what's going on with it? Mm, let me guess. Pick I want you to guess. Uh, or Mother 3. No. <laughs> it's a game from a studio that you tend to really like. Okay. Used to or still? Uh, you weren't as hot about their latest <laughs> release. Tra the new Dragon Age? <laughs> no. Uh, what the heck is up with Project 1v1? I don't even know what that is. 
It was the game Gearbox announced back in like 2017. No. You don't you really don't remember this? No. Project 1v1? Yes. No no clue. <laughs> okay, well you look up Project 1v1 really right. quick and I will talk about what our topic of the show is and then we'll talk about Project 1v1 again. Okay. So, you know, last week I I probably mistitled these episodes because I probably should have used last week's this week. But no, that's neither here nor there. The Witcher series on Netflix is obviously currently all the rage. Henry Cavill just posted a, a video on Instagram or slash Twitter about how they're, you know, into pre-production and shooting for season two. And, you know, while the series is technically based off the books, it obviously has encouraged a ton of gamers to jump back into or for the first time into Witcher 3 as Steam concurrents for that game are higher than they were on launch weekend right now. Like everyone is playing Witcher 3 again. So with that thought process... What other games do we want to see get the Witcher treatment? Uh, And what does this mean? What I specifically mean is a series on Netflix, no movie, no HBO, specifically a Netflix series. Um, And we recommend Netflix a lot. So I think we should be able to kind of figure out what fits the formula. But what do we think? What games do we think maybe need a bump or a series that we think needs a bump? Or what do we think are series that... Netflix could do some awesome justice to in both the board game and video game world. So before we get to that, though, Project 1v1, did you look it up? Yeah, it looks like it's dead. Okay. Um, based on Reddit. Did, uh, did you really not remember this? No, I, I think I can safely say I have no knowledge of this game. Oh, wow. I thought a <laughs> person, you'd been all about Project 1v1. Uh, I mean, it looks interesting. It looks like there was a um, closed betas going on in uh, 2018. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, it doesn't look like anything's happening with it. It looks like it's dead in the water. Uh, so it looks like they might they might have descri- decided to scrap it based on a subreddit. So who knows? Oh. It could go anywhere from there. But based on the subreddit, there hasn't been any activity since the closed um, beta. And that was over a year ago. All right. Well, maybe it's done then. Okay. Anyway, I was just wondering what happened to Project oh, wait. 1v1. Uh, Project 1v1 is currently available on only on Steam. So it's early access on Steam. Though it still exists. As of June 25th of last year. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't look like... They, they they still classify it as being in an alpha. Oh, okay. So that's not good. Okay. Well, anyway, that was just a game I was wondering about. Cool. The other day. I'm going like, to have to look happened? it up on Steam. <laughs> I was like, whatever happened to this game? <laughs> All right. So, Josh, Netflix. Yeah. Games. Games. What do we think uh, Netflix should go after next? Obviously, you know, The Witcher has been a wild success. Yes. Uh, the Castlevania series people seem to really like. Uh-huh. You know, the Nino Cooney movie is coming in January. So, which is, I think, only previously been available in Japan. So that's coming to the U.S. Netflix or more Netflix um, countries uh, coming sometime this month. Uh, but if you had to pick a game hmm. that doesn't currently really have a series or anything like that, that maybe could use a, a jolt in player population, or you just think Netflix could do justice to that world, what would you pick? All right. So my picks, my main probably will not surprise you. Uh, maybe one okay. will. Um, but honestly, we were talking about this uh, recently, not about being a series, but I think a Spec Ops The Line series could be incredible on Netflix, especially if it builds up like to the third act. Uh, you could make 
maybe one or two seasons mm-hmm. and just end it. Like it doesn't have to be a seven season <laughs> Witcher arc, but uh, it would be, I think it can be gritty. It can be, uh, you could really write a compelling story from this game that doesn't really have a home anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to just see more people uh, be subjected to the story of Spec Ops, especially now. I think it, hits, right. it would hit home now uh, or even next year with right. the way the world is. And it can be gritty like The Boys uh, was for Amazon. It, mm-hmm. uh, it can be realistic. It doesn't have to be. Um, but they could really play uh, – to that, like, did you ever watch Homeland? I was just thinking about Homeland. I was going to ask you the same question. So it could be very, like, a very similar vibe to like how Homeland was, at least Maybe in the, the first, first couple seasons. of seasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely, I would love to see that for sure. I would love to see more spec ups in general, but to see a live action series based off of mm-hmm. the game, I, I would jump at that. No yeah, question. that's a good one. Man, Homeland season one was so good. It was incredible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I didn't watch. I know. I think the fa- final season is going on now or just happened. It's insane that it's still going. <laughs> I know. It kind of was like Dexter that it really went on far too long. Yeah. There's only so far you could take Claire. Yeah. Like, I think if Homeland had finished after like three seasons, I think it would have been. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Season yeah, three. Or I think it, yeah. <laughs> probably would have been a good place for it to stop. But that's a great pick. Um, and I, I love the fact that we we're both thinking about Homeland in comparison to oh, yeah. what that game could be. Um, For me. Josh, okay, think about really quick. Over the last decade or so, yeah, you know, there's been a lot of obviously really popular television shows. You had your Game of Thrones, you had your Breaking Bad's, like you had these, you know, shows that were really television-y people things that happened. And maybe Breaking Bad. I mean, I know it started prior to that, but anyway, neither here nor there. <laughs> um, you know, one show though that really had a a huge fan following. But then kind of, you know, as shows tend to do and they go too long, some people got super upset about it, uh, was The Walking Dead, right? Yes. People really loved The Walking Dead. Seasons one through four. Yeah. It was great. You know, Netflix, I think, has tried to do some zombie things and, and tried to do some shows like that. But if they really wanted to hone in on that Walking Dead crowd, yeah, <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going, <laughs> they really want to hone, on to that, <laughs> hone in on that crowd and be like, hey. We're going to give you back what you so enjoyed about Walking Dead Season 1 through 4. Um, and we're going to turn Dead of Winter into a television show. Uh, I would totally be down. And I think that they could totally do it because there, there's all the characters are there. It can be as kind of ridiculous as you want it to be. But even like the story cards exist. Um, so you kind of have ideas about what the scenarios are and what the episode structure could be based off of that. And... Yes, could they be fleshed out a little better or made a little better as a result of some professional television writers? Sure, absolutely they could. But the skeleton is there of a really awesome show. Uh, and there's enough expansions that if you you know wanted to do a second season or a third season, you could without going super long. So I think really, I know it's the game I talk about all the time because it's like my favorite game. But I think we'll get the easy one out of the way. I think Dead of Winter would do an excellent job of bringing the Walking Dead fandom to netflix with a really quality zombie show that's that's not a bad idea if you say my semistics next i'm gonna be suspect of you though <laughs> i crossed it off the list i did write it down because they actually have a deal for my semistics yes, stuff they so do. Yes. I, I crossed it off <laughs> uh no that's a good one i like that that's smart 
Um, does that, do we get a trader each season or is there a tra- trader each episode? <laughs> yeah, that'll be an important question, right? Oh, it could be like uh, interactive things, like kind of like, well, um, like Bandersnatch where you can like yeah. interactively try to figure out like who the trader – there you go. No, whoops, you voted the wrong person out. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the trader. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You said Kyle goes out on a mission for food, but he only comes back with junk. <laughs> he says there was only junk. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, they show you, you scarfing down food in like yeah. a chunked out car. <laughs> Do you inspect his bedroom? Yeah. How come there's chocolate on your mouth, Kyle? Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. My next one is also in the board game area. Oh, nice. So this would capitalize on the family genre, the most profitable mm-hmm. for Netflix because every audience is uh, available to watch your TV series. And mm-hmm. I think it would be awesome if Netflix um, picked up the animated series rights to an Everdell series. Oh, that would be awesome. Where it's kind of playing off like uh, Watership Down or yeah. um, that like whole like Winnie the Pooh kind of thing like um, trees, tree folk, animals, rivers. Uh, you can keep adding when the expansions come out. You can like fold into the story like, oh, we found, you know, these people by the river or we found all mm-hmm. these people like – they're ex- like expanding out of their homes, but like you literally can be a like a neutral character who's going to the Badger's shop to buy things and going off on adventures and and you know like Bugs Life meets Watership Down. You could have like dramatic themes, yeah, but you're still like trying to feed your your town and people are moving in or things like that. I think it could be really cool and like. Uh, I think the theme is great because the art's incredible. So, like, cartoony and kids love animals and adults love animals. So, you could still have adult themes in there, too, and disguise it as something for kids. That that sounds great. Uh, my next pick, how many picks do you have total? I well, ask. I picked three, but I could definitely do more. <laughs> okay, I have four because okay. I have two board game and two video game. Um, so, I'm going to go ahead and stick, do my second board game one. Um, Josh... In the early thousands, oh god, <laughs> there was this television series that was a just you know it was the thing everyone was talking about, and it launched the well then it didn't itself launch but helped really propel one specifically of the creators into kind of stardom, uh-huh. um, and they and they have you know since gone on to direct some of the biggest movies. From a revenue standpoint or growth standpoint in the history of the world, um, you know, and that show was lost. Hey, before you continue, yeah, uh, Golden Bell Studios publishing the last board game. Go on. Or are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Well, a board game. Sorry, distributing, not publishing. <laughs> okay, distributing. Gotcha. Okay, a board game that I think captures a lot of the essence of what lost was is seventh continent oh okay so if you wanted to bring back a show and really it's set up almost perfectly the game is to translate into a lost style show because every game starts with a curse of some sort and so every season could be a new curse 
the characters in the game are obviously different than, you know, where Lost just had kind of quote-unquote random people. Uh, the folks in Seventh Continent are characters that we have known throughout time, which would be a nifty little spin to put on it, that you're having these characters you've known in other contexts now put together into this world uh, that brings in some interesting, unique interactions between them. Uh, but it can the show can be as ridiculous as you want it to be because – you know, the game's like, do whatever you want. So really, with there's almost no rules. You know, you have some rough ideas about how to lift this curse. But just starting from there, if you have some good acting, some good writing, you could really create a very cool show that every year was like a self-contained little, you know, eight to ten episodes of, like, hey, here's a little mini series. Boom, that series is done. Kind of almost like Black Mirror does it episode to episode. Whereas then the next season could be completely different people, completely different curves, completely different everything. Um, but you could really kind of create that same uh, sense of wonderment uh, that, that Lost created for a lot of people. Not me because I never watched the show. But that's what people tell me who liked it a lot. <laughs> so, you haven't seen Lost? No. I'll, I you want to know something really bad. The I only heard something of, really bad. No, the only episode of Lost I've ever seen <laughs> is the final episode. Don't say it was episode. the final. Oh my yeah. god, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't really need to watch the show now. Yes, you have to because that the end had nothing to do with the rest of the show. <laughs> so yeah, it's the only episode of Lost I've ever. You seen have to finale. watch Lost. You gotta and watch it. Is there an easy way to watch Lost? I'll send you. I'll something? send you all of my blues. <laughs> it's on Hulu right now. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. I have Hulu. I could watch that. I've, okay. I've watched Lost complete five, five times. Dang. Okay. There yeah. we go. No, the first thing I did when I started dating my wife, when she was, we watched all of Lost together. That was like the relationship test. Did you know that the final season of Lost was actually its lowest rated season? Yeah, that makes sense. It was not the, it was the worst season. So, yeah. Man, finishing things is hard, isn't it? you'll never satisfy your audience. Um, yeah. And that happens. Game of Thrones, lowest rated season yeah. last season. Um, the next thing I'm going to talk about, lowest rated season last season. So uh, people think they can do better and they can't, but they think they can. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So yeah, Seventh Continent in this vein of Lost, I think would be great for Netflix. What is your next choice, sir? I'm going to start an online petition to make you watch Lost. <laughs> That's fine. You'll sign it because no one else will care about who I am. <laughs> Oh, man, you got to watch it. It's so good. One of the top five TV shows of all time. Anyways, speaking of one of the top five TV shows of all time, did you watch the reboot of Battlestar Galactica on sci-fi? The reboot being like not the one from the 70s, but the more recent one? The second version of it, yeah. Yeah, yes, I did. The only reboot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what do you say? Like, I don't, I never saw the original, so I never think of it as a reboot, if you would. I just think of it as BSG. You just think of it the only one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is, I know, totally biased, but that's what I think of. But yes, I did watch that. Okay. I did enjoy that. Also, not a great final episode. Terrible ending. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible ending. Um, not too much different, actually, from last ending. <laughs> um, so, think think that series, right? One of my favorite series of all time. Mm-hmm. Now, take that concept and insert Mass Effect. Oh, That's what okay. I want. I want the... Um, the story of the Normandy. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't even care who's on it. It doesn't have to be Shepard as the commander. I would like that, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be. A story of the Normandy, what the Normandy has gone through. Um, 
I mean, it basically lends itself to incredible narrative stories with the companion stories, picking up new crew members, having to make terribly difficult decisions, losing crew members. Um, just this idea of what Mass Effect was really lends itself to cinema, I think. And it doesn't have to be in a theater because a Mass Effect film wouldn't work, but a Mass Effect series would be, I think, incredible because you're not rushed. You can do 10 one-hour episodes for one season, and then you can see where it goes from there. But you're also building uh, characters throughout that. Like, you can make a young, stupid shepherd captain and see how he develops through a season Mm -hmm. and learning from his new crew members and also learning from mistakes he makes with his crew members. So there's a lot to do. And really, I'll never forget (laughs) making the villain, using my uh, mental abilities and making the villain kill himself with his own gun uh, as one of my most favorite moments in gaming history. Uh, (laughs) So to be able to see that go like how they decide to develop the character and everything, I think uh, would be super cool as well. So I would love to see um, a Mass Effect series because there's no way they could ruin it more than Bioware did already. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Josh, have you ever seen the Netflix series Dark? No, you know what? It's on my uh, queue, but I haven't watched it because I need time to be able to read subtitles. Read subtitles, <laughs> correct. So if you're not familiar, listener, Dark is a uh, German show that is on Netflix. It is a Netflix original, but it was filmed and created in Germany. And I have also never watched it. It is in my queue. It is one of the games that I have listed as you know my next to watches. But when I watch it, Josh, there's really a game that comes to mind now that I think could fit in that vein or or is kind of proof of concept about how they could bring this game to a series they would just need to make it a bit more ridiculous or quite a bit more ridiculous and that's death stranding <laughs> i think a show that is about rain <laughs> <laughs> okay you lost me <laughs> but i think death stranding really could be a really interesting television show now the whole like okay you know management of your inventory and trying to carry stuff across. Okay, maybe that part's not super interesting and that's not in the show. But this person who is, you know, ostensibly doing doing deliveries and kind of interacting. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like what The Mandalorian was. <laughs> it's all just side quests. Um, but just kind of that in that world that is Death Stranding, in that bleak world um, that has really some cool concepts and ideas built into it that I want to spoil for anyone if they haven't played the game. Uh, but I think really that show and kind of the mood and the tone piece that that show is, I think would translate very well to what a Death Stranding show could be. Um, and I think, you know, for whatever you want to say about Death Stranding, the game was obviously very divisive. I, I think conceptually there is some really cool stuff there, and I think it would translate really, really well to a show on Netflix. And I think Death Stranding is something they should give a shot at, and I bet you Kojima would love to make it. And you could get Norman Reedus because they're probably going to kill Daryl this year. <laughs> there you go. And Norman Reedus, he's available. Final one, sir. Okay. So how long has it been since we've had a Harry Potter film? Oh my gosh, my partner and I were talking about this today. <laughs> we were talking about, you know, Fantastic Beasts aside, we were talking about, hey, I asked her, do you want them to reboot the Harry Potter movies? And she's like, well, not now. I'm like, well, no, I'm not saying today. 
I'm saying ever. Would you ever want to see them make them again? And she said no. I wouldn't want them to remake them, though. But what do we need? Do we have any wizards, wizard shows on television right now? I think uh, the, magicians the Magicians is done, right? Is it is still the going? Magicians done? Uh, uh, there's that show on, um, oh gosh, Sundance slash Shudder. That Shudder helped with the first season, A Discovery of Witches. Okay. That's a show. Okay. That's a show. Well, hear me out. How about okay. a family-friendly one? Uh, Wizards of Waverly Place. Is that still Oh, no. I don't think that's still going on. <laughs> I, think, I, see, I think Selena Gomez is doing better things now. Uh, here we go. Number two, board game, family-themed, Potion Explosion, the TV series. Oh. We have children who are going to Potion School. They're... Going through all these sorts of hijinks, mixing up potions, not paying attention, getting in and out of trouble. It's the kid version of the Harry, that Harry Potter should have been all this time. Um, more fun, more quirky, maybe even more t- TV series-like mm-hmm. than dramatic. Um, get into that kid audience, man. I mean, that's where you want your monies. Kids, grow, kids start with that. They grow into it. All these things that we've been talking about with the explicit purpose of marketing for board games. Right. Ninja Turtles created for toys, almost. Yeah. He-Man created for toys, Transformers. Let's do it again. Bring it back. (laughs) That is not where I thought you were going with that. I thought you were going Big Book of Madness. Big Book of Madness would be a super cool horror show. So, yeah, that's where I thought yeah. you were going, but like a, a kid-friendly version of it. But that, yeah, Potion Explosion fits that really well. I think it would be great. So, all right. My final one, I'm going the opposite direction. I am not going kid-friendly. Um, this is a series. Adults that only. Ha- <laughs> What's that? Adults only. Not quite that far. <laughs> um, this is a series that has had a number of movies that overall the movies have not been good. One might say the movies are even bad. A number However... The world, I think, is super interesting, and if you took a more grounded approach to the storytelling of the world, I think you could create a really interesting, compelling series, and that's Resident Evil. Oh, okay. Not one particular <laughs> game. Why? Oh! No, I was thinking of Narnia. Oh, gotcha. Trying to figure out what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, yeah. Not one particular game. I don't want, like, oh, here's Resident Evil 1, here's Resident Evil 2. But if you just think of everything, the characters from that world, everything that has existed or happened from one all the way through seven, I think you could create some really interesting, you know, almost procedural police drama in this world that has really odd cases happening um, that maybe you're not having these huge zombie outbreaks, but you're having very kind of almost criminal minds-ish disturbing, like what the heck is going on, or even like Mindhunter style specific cases that you're really trying to work your way through so i think you know resident evil is a very cool world that has been really let down in the movies and the games they'll create such an awesome atmosphere i would love to see a series given a lot of care um and put into that world so that is my final pick resident evil resident evil we don't have enough of resident evil yet (laughs) i'm kidding well we're getting getting resident (laughs) evil 3 soon yeah very soon so I was going to say Overwatch, but I figured everyone would know I'd say that. So, uh, <laughs> But dear listeners, if you have any suggestions or shows you would like to see, we'd love for you to share them with us at Board with VG on Twitter. Speaking of which, Josh, we did get a couple listener questions this week. Why don't we cover them? We do have two questions from friend of the show, William Herkovitz at Herkovitz on Twitter. 
He says, board games aren't just about games, about the games, sorry, but the friends you play with them, play them with. Oh boy. You know, sometimes English is hard. Uh, In reading, which types of people are the best to play with certain games? So I think this is a a smart statement. Um, The question is tough because board games, finding the right people to play board games with is actually harder than you might think, especially because people enjoy board games differently. Some people, I would argue, don't even enjoy board games that do play them. Um, I've definitely run into my fair share of different styles of gamers going to, like, PAX Unplugged. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that my brother and sister-in-law and their friends, they're party game people. And I love right. playing party games with them. But you try to get them to play, like, a story-driven board game, forget about it. So don't mm-hmm. do that. Um, so the best thing to do is to kind of, I mean, it's not, uh, Matt, like a trick question. Just ask people what kind of games they're into. Um, if they are not familiar with other styles of games, you know, you can introduce them to those games, but if there's like any amount of trepidation or they're not enjoying it, I think you also need to give them the out. Hey, Mm -hmm. let's start this game. If you're not having fun, just tell me we'll play something else because the worst thing you can do is make someone feel like they're forced to play a game or play a game where it's important to how you win based on how other people play and you're playing with someone who does not care what they're doing. Right. Um, So it is very important to, to do that. So to answer his question on which types of people are the best to play with certain games, uh, my stupid answer is the people who want to play the games you're playing. (laughs) Um, like I have a friend who does not like party games. We'll still force right. him to play them, but he is not the best type of person to play a party game with. Right. Yeah. And I think I, I agree with that sentiment a lot. Also side note, um, William, obviously a huge fan of social deduction games. Yes. There is a new one from Atlas games called never bring a knife, which is supposed to come out on January 17th. So hopefully that is the super great new social deduction game. He won released this year. We'll see if it's good. I have oh, no idea. Yeah, that's but right. <laughs> he did say that. Um, but yeah, you know, as someone, the game I always use as an example for this is Sheriff of Nottingham. Yes. Sheriff of Nottingham is a game that who you play with will dramatically change the way the game feels, the enjoyment level of the game, and everything. And yes, that's true for a lot of games, but the Sheriff of Nottingham is the one that I have played the most where I've really dramatically noticed the difference about how fun the game is, is 100% relevant to who you're playing with. Yeah. If you are not playing with people who I uh, think it's fun and want and are really excited about, and it doesn't mean they have to be outgoing and loud, but they just really are wanting to buy into and get into the theme of, I am trying to lie my pants off to you at the select time yeah. <laughs> and trying to trick you and doing all of those things. And they could do that being super reserved. They just really have to want to buy into the objective of what the game is. And I think if you can find people who want to do that and are excited about what the concept is, you're going to have yourself a great time playing that game. So I think, yeah, kind of like we talk about all the time of like when people ask, what game should I play? Well, what other games do you like? You know, like, yep. do you, does this sound interesting to you? If the answer is no, I'm not going to make you play it. Um, so that's kind of what I tend to look for is like, Hey, what are the, have you played games before? Yes or no. If yes, what games have you enjoyed? Why did you enjoy them? Sweet. Let's go from there and try to fit things that are going to fit that. And maybe, you know, it's good to push people outside their comfort zone sometimes, but maybe do that with a, 
not four hour game. Right. <laughs> Maybe do that with a 40 minute game if we're going to push people outside their comfort zones. So awesome. Thanks, William. We always appreciate when you contribute to the show. We do. We do. Okay. Splig at Doblicious. Uh, congrats, by the way, to their newborn daughter, I believe. Indeed. Congratulations, Splig. Uh, he writes, enjoyable, fairly mindless, because they're sleep-deprived games to just spend time together. Yay, paternity leave. Spirits of the Wild is what I'm going to try with her first. Uh, Spirits of the Wild is a great game. I think that he also showed he was going to get uh, <laughs> Trellis, uh, <laughs> which is another good game. Uh, I would recommend uh, like Fox in the Forest. It's yep. a good game. I actually picked up Fox in the Forest Duet uh, yesterday. I haven't had the time to play it yet, um, but that's probably a better one, maybe, because it's cooperative. I'm not sure, though. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to think. There's. Uh, I was thinking of a specific um, uh, board game, like Onitama, really good. Uh, Lantern's Dice, a good game. Something small that you don't have to put a lot of time into would be ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say, I don't know if Blake has more kids, um, because if it's your only child, it's different, uh, because that baby's going to sleep a lot, uh, and not do much for six months. So you have, <laughs> you, it, it, it'll be easier to do things. But, uh, as far as like video games, like you could look into like Overcooked, uh, or even like a game like Castle Crashers, something you can just kind of play and enjoy your time together with, um, uh, those are two pretty good co-op games that you can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? Did you say Codenames Duet? Codenames Duet would be perfect. I did so not I say think that. that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I think that would be a good one. I think, you know, I know it's kind of a, I don't know. I, I like the game and I think it fits. I think Bananagrams is a really fun game, actually. <laughs> uh, if you're into that style of game, I like playing Bananagrams from time to time. Uh, I'm a big fan of Red 7. I, I think that's an easy game to just kind of put down and pick right back up where you were again. Um, and if you're looking for something even, you know, that's you can kind of just step away from and and pick up even four hours later, something like Carcassonne is really easy to do that with. So, yeah, Carcassonne's a good one. Uh, yeah. So, you, you know, you can definitely just do a look for some two-player games that are going to fit the bill. But even, you know, some of those more traditional uh, games fit really, really well. So, but congratulations again. Hopefully, you know, sleep will become a friend again soon. Yeah, no, it's not going to be. Um, if you yeah, I don't a, know about these things. <laughs> if you do have a Switch, though, there's been a bunch of the board games are on sale. Carcassonne's half price, Catan's half yeah. price. <clears throat> so you could also look at those as well on the Switch. Just make sure you check um, how many players it supports because Catan is tricky. I don't think you can play local co-op, only online. And Carcassonne allows local co-op. Um, it's kind of a nightmare, but yeah, 10 bucks is pretty good. Awesome. Well, hey, everyone, thanks so much um, for those questions. As always, you can hit us up at Board with VG because we'd love to include your questions, thoughts, or comments on the show. And with that, we're going to start wrapping things up. Obviously, we are clearly a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one recommendation, suggestion, or other thing we're currently into that's helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your suggestion for our dear listeners this week? Hey, I have a controversial pick. Oh, I like it. Let's do it. Um, So it's a series on Netflix, a documentary series kyle knows oh, what i'm talking I about going, yeah i know you're talking about <clears throat> i just finished it recently um don't f with cats is what it's called um <clears throat> it's i don't want to like people people out there who already know what it is know what it is but i don't want to spoil yep. anything yeah but essentially it's based on the one rule of the internet don't mess with cats like 
or the internet's coming after you, essentially. <clears throat> I know why you think it's controversial, because we talked yep. in the Discord. So join yep. our Discord, if you're a listener, so we can chat with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, so it does address at the end what your concern is. Oh, okay. Um, in a very interesting way that I don't know that I necessarily liked. Um, okay. But I guess what I could say is, I can say this, it is unfortunately about a person who filmed themselves uh, killing two kittens at the beginning. That's how it starts. Mm-hmm. And I uploaded this video and there's some twists and turns and some more things happen. But basically what happens is people on the internet decide that they're going to find this person and bring them to justice in yep. a system that was perfectly fine with letting it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some concerns that people think giving this person attention kind of pushed them to do more. I am of the mindset that I'm glad that people put all this attention to this person to catch this person. And I won't say if this person gets caught or not, because I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, and some things happen later in the documentary that that may or may not clarify if this person was doing this of their own free will or not, which is also right. very interesting. Um, so I would say... It's a hard watch because it definitely deals with sensitive subjects, especially if you're mm-hmm. an animal lover. It doesn't ever show anything um, graphic, but it does sometimes show the aftermath of certain things, which can be difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important, one way or the other, I think it's important that you watch it because you will have your own opinion on what happened and how you feel it was carried out. Um, but it, I think it's a documentary. I will say this also. Netflix has these like mockumentary series out. Yep. That, that are like this documentary is produced so well that I was, I thought many times that it was fake. Um, that's how well they got. That's how good the interviews were. That's how well it was produced. Um, that's how good the footage is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a compliment to them, kind of, as far as the production of the documentary goes. That's an interesting way to say it was really good. It was so good, I thought it was fake. It was so well produced that it seemed like it couldn't be a documentary. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they, they did a good job with that. Uh, yeah. And my wife couldn't watch more than, you know. 30 seconds of the first episode, a uh, second episode. Yeah. Shouldn't even watch the first episode yeah. uh, because it can be tough. But I think it's important to watch and formulate your own opinion on. Uh, uh, there's literally the very last 20 seconds of the documentary puts out this very crazy statement that is you can you can take it one way or the other and that's it. So it was very right. interesting that that was the conclusion it drew at the end. Yeah. But uh, I, I really uh, – I don't want to say enjoyed it because it sounds – I thought it was very uh, thought-provoking. That's what I'll say. There you go. Yeah, I haven't made my decision on it yet. Uh, I knew about the case uh, prior to the documentary. 
Yeah. Because I, for better or for worse, really enjoy like true life stuff and true crime stuff. Uh, so I just don't know. Knowing what I know, I just don't know if I need to see a documentary about it is more of my thing. Sure. I you mean, know? I'll say this. The, the people that are out there that are going to do these things, they're going to find their audience one way or the other. They're going to do what they're going to do. Oh, sure. And I don't think you or anyone watching this documentary is giving anything in the positive direction for those people. For for me, it's more of like, I already know about the case. Right. I don't know that I care to know anything. Sure. You know what I'm saying? That that's makes more sense. of what my, yeah, that's more of my thing of like, I don't know, other than making me more upset, <laughs> I don't know what this documentary would accomplish sure. by me watching it or what I would get from it other than that. I got so. you. Um, my recommendation, I, I got to get back to, you know, my MO. Uh, so it's a documentary series. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> on Netflix. So if you want to choose between our two, you are welcome to do that. <laughs> um, and this for me, I, I didn't know if I was going to enjoy this documentary series, but I have fallen very smitten for it and I'm not quite done with it, but I think I've decided why I like documentaries and especially documentary series like this so much is that I really enjoy watching people who are really good at something do that thing. Even if it's something that I have really no interest in or have never really done before or have really thought about seriously before, there's something about watching people who are excellent at their craft perform their craft. And that documentary series is Cheer. Oh, I saw the trailer for that. Yeah, which follows a cheer team uh, at Navarro Community College in a small town. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, anyway, it's like outside of Dallas, Texas, um, and they are – it's kind of similar to like the Last Chance You stuff, but this is much more about um, this team that has just really excelled in the last – since like 2000-ish and the coach behind it, everything they have done, um, and really the idea of – and just giving you the very basics of – you know, something I had never really thought about that, like, I knew obviously that like competition cheer existed. Like I, I recognized and knew that was a thing, but in the college circuit, there is one tournament. That is it. One. So they practice an entire year and then have two minutes and 15 seconds to do their show. One, you know, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, if you make a mistake, then that's it, you know? And after that, though, like when you're done with college, there's nothing like you can, yeah, maybe become a cheer coach, or but there's no professional cheer. There's no, you know, any of that. Like there's nothing else after that. So it's just really interesting, like hearing the insights from the people who are on this team, why they chose to come to Texas and just really getting a glimpse into a world I know nothing about. Um, and recognizing that for some of the, you know, as for people who are talking about board games and video games and there's quote unquote like rock stars and celebrities in our worlds cheer has that too you know and like learning who those people are and, and the people who follow them and it's really well done it's really well produced um i think that the information that you get and, and kind of how it's presented is, is done in a, an effective way uh yeah i really enjoy it i might even like it more than last chance you um but i'm really enjoying cheer uh definitely recommend it i think it's only six or so episodes uh, but it, they are like full hour episodes um, but really enjoy it. Highly recommend it. Cheer on Netflix. Uh, that is it, Josh. What do you say we wrap this show up? Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, 
please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please use that hashtag as well on all your social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video game feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S I R R I U S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. I know I said like last week that Metaspring was right around the corner. We're actually going to push it back just a few weeks. Um, And looking at the reschedule and all the games coming out, uh, I think the first game for Metaspring is probably going to be Marvel's Iron Man VR at the end of February. Uh, And then we're going to end with The Last of Us Part 2 at the end of May. Um, and then there's going to be eight-ish games in between there. Um, so we're going to push it back just a couple weeks uh, so that we're not doing our show too far ahead of the release of that Iron Man VR game. But we do want to give you definitely plenty of time to uh, to uh, enter the contest. So just kind of look for that show at the end of January, probably, um, or very, very beginning of February. So just be thinking about that. Know that's coming around the corner still. We have not forgotten about it. Um, as always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Stop gaming.